Welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement and talk about what happened on Sunday, even though it's Tuesday. It's called On Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. Right on. How right you guys on. been? Right on, right on, right, right on. on, right on. <laughs> yeah, Rob, how have you been? Oh, I'm doing good. Mm. Um, yeah, pretty good week. We had the men's huddle mm. Saturday, which was great. Great attendance. Of gents showed up, and mm-hmm. we got to hear from Russ Walbaum, who was baptized in that baptismal in the 1980. I think it was 1980s. Yeah, I think awesome. it was in the, before probably we were born. I was 85, so <laughs> he probably. So yeah. he's been a, a part of this church. He was born yeah. again before we were born. Yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome to hear him <laughs> tell his story or parts of it. And, yeah. Uh, I, th- I thought his main point, never stop learning. Like, yeah. always keep learning. I thought that was a helpful thing to illustrate in his story. Anyways, I enjoyed hearing him and, and Chris Brown, you know, opening up the Proverbs to us. And it was just a good Saturday. Yeah. Agreed. So that was probably the highlight of my week. Mm. It was pretty fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was still <coughs> recovering, honestly, from getting back from my trip to California. We got back late Monday. Rob, thank you I again for picking me up from the airport. Um, we got back <laughs> and it was snowing when we were driving home. Wait in line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I think it was just a long, busy week. I just like took all week to get back into the swing of things. Speaking of the swing of things... I played golf on, uh, <laughs> I played nine holes on, on a Friday or something and shot even par. So that was pretty cool. And, uh, that was definitely the highlight of my week. Not as good as Tiger Woods though. Uh, oh my gosh. And I got to watch Tiger Woods play the Genesis, <laughs> uh, Invitational, which is his tournament now. Everybody's bored out of their minds listening to this podcast now. But interestingly, <laughs> he played in LA at Riviera Country Club. I was 16 years old the first time I I saw Tiger Woods, the goat, and he oh, was in there person. in person. Oh, yeah. I've, wow. I've seen, uh, I've probably been to five, four or five tournaments uh, that he's been at. Wow. And, uh, oh, dude, I've got a video. I'm like, I could reach out and touch him. I mean, he was so close. You should have. Um, yeah, why didn't you? Because that'd be weird, and I wanted to stay. Do at the you have? You don't have like a like a autograph or anything? No, no, dude. These guys are in the zone. In fact, I remember this one other tournament I went to in Thousand Oaks, uh, North LA. I was walking, me and my friend Brad and um, yeah. Chris Paul, who's a point guard. I don't remember who he was yeah, a point yeah, guard yeah. for then, but he was. I think he's a point guard for the Suns now. Isn't that right, Cody? For the Suns? Yep, Suns now. <clears throat> Might have been the Clippers. Back then, how maybe long ago? yeah oh yeah this was eight years ago probably seven years ago um but it was just amazing because me and Brad are walking I'm not a bit I wasn't a basketball fan then and Brad is though and we're walking and it's like there's Tiger right there just walking right from one tee from the green to the tee I mean he's a couple feet away from us and he's in the zone and Chris Paul and his whole little posse are standing right next to me and Brad. And Brad's just like, oh my gosh, bro, that's Chris Paul right there. <laughs> and like Chris Paul was like geeking out, fanboying, celebrity, there's Tiger Woods. There's you Tiger know? Woods. <laughs> yeah, right exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is this is Chris Paul. Funny, yeah. And these guys are geeking out over <laughs> there's there's the Tiger Woods, you know? Um, 
But anyway, yeah, it was cool to watch him play, and he played great. But I was just like, man, I, I remembered being there 16 years ago. I remember watching shots. I mean, it's amazing how you can remember certain things from that long ago. But right. anyway, that was uh, cool to watch that. A little dist- distracted. How about you, Cody? How was your week? Dude, pretty good. I had a, I had a couple of uh, my annual Valentine's Day daddy-daughter dates, which was fun. Riley and I uh, one day went down into Portland and got some sushi at a... My phone's ringing. (laughs) I'm going to try to ignore it. That's good. Got some sushi. uh, It's Derek Denham. Just answer it on the air. (laughs) I should have answered it on air. I know. (laughs) Don't answer it. You'll never get off. (laughs) (laughs) Derek's my neighbor. I'm just teasing. Oh, Yeah. Uh, so we grabbed some sushi at a hole in the wall place, and then had a uh, had a, a bookstore date. <laughs> Derek said, "Rude." <laughs> he texted. Did he hear you say that? I don't know. How did he know that was rude? Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> Somebody text him. I'm that. texting him right now. Text him. I'm not ignoring him. Keep I'm telling your story. I'm texting him. Oh man, we did. So we had our bookstore date, which is always uh, it's a it's a fun one we do once in a while. Kind of going around but we picked out a went through the uh cooking book section and picked out a recipe you guys were recipients of some salted chocolate caramel cookies oh they were great they're good Mm. cookies um and then ty and i last night we wanted she wanted to go somewhere fancy so we went to the old spaghetti factory very fancy To an eleven-year-old girl, <laughs> she knew. I explained to her that it wasn't fancy, and she was like, "Yeah, <laughs> wait for some reason, how old just, is she? She's eleven, and you've never been to this old she spaghetti had, factory. Maybe she had been there when she was a little kid because she had it in her mind that she wanted to go to it. Yeah, the and train. I don't even really know why she had it. But dude, when I was a kid, I loved getting uh, the uh, spumoni. Uh, no, the Italian cream soda, and you know, oh, keep, yeah. the, true. keep and the keep glass. the cup. You yeah. know. So we did that. We, bo- we both got Italian sodas and brought the cups home. You nice. Know? And then we hung out at the mall and tried f- fancy perfumes and took pictures of each other and, you know, posing as mannequins in the windows. And <laughs> this is weird. This is a weird list of stuff. Falling asleep on a bed in Macy's or, <laughs> you know, funny. her in some crazy high heels. and So it was fun. That is cool. Good daddy-daughter time. Oh, yeah. Um, well, Good cool. Moments. Do we want to jump in? Dude, we can <clears> jump <throat> in. Aaron's got to move fast. He's got plans. I've got a meeting with a guy He's here. He's getting a little too bit. cool for this. Mover and shaker. No, we just didn't budget our time well. But we were <laughs> in uh, Exodus 24, right? We were in Exodus 24. The title of the message was The Book and the Blood. A lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a like almost, almost too much blood, would yeah. you say? Yeah. No. <laughs> you can never have too much. I, There's a lot of blood in this. I'll, I'll uh, just by way of introduction, confess <laughs> two things about this. Um, number one, two when, wonders. I, when I started, yeah, two wonders. Two wonders that you confess? Here, Yeah, my worth <laughs> and my unworthiness. Um, no, which is, I guess, somewhat true in this. But when I thought about the book of Exodus, months ago when I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to jump into Exodus, there were a few stories that I was really excited to get to. Obviously... Um, Moses, baby Moses in the little ark and the burning bush for sure. Um, the golden calf, which we'll be coming up to in chapter 32. There were just some that I was like really looking forward to chapter 34, 24 was not anywhere on my radar for Mm -hmm. like highlight chapters. 
But after studying it, I was like, man, this is an amazing chapter in regard to the whole book and the flow of the book and the themes that are coming out of it. Um, really, as I said, it's a transition chapter, but there's a lot of themes that hinge on this chapter, like the book of the covenant, the blood of the covenant that was brought up later on in Hebrews and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then of course in the Lord's supper, but anyway, I just hadn't thought about this chapter as one as significantly as I should have when I began the book. The other thing was I thought about the organization of this chapter in preaching it. I finished my sermon. I felt pretty decent, but I laid down to go to bed Saturday night and I actually thought of a whole new structure. Mm. <laughs> and I, I literally thought that's a, that's a better structure. <laughs> I'm not changing it though. It's, it's, uh, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. I'm not doing it, but I, I should have focused. I focused a lot on the blood I mean, of the covenant. Real, real should quick. we make <laughs> mention of what's happening in the background? If anyone is hearing any loud you, noises. Yeah, if you could hear any music or loud noises, we have a a, a professional analyzing our sound system for problematic frequencies. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's just a hiss. Sometimes it's a rumble. Right now it's like... Someone screaming show tunes or something. I can't tell, but I don't know if anyone's hearing it or not. <laughs> Probably not. Anyways, yeah. We're hearing it just, here in this podcast. Room. Just in case you're hearing it through our microphones, that's why there's weird sounds. <laughs> but in, in my title, I did the book and the blood. Right. But I should have organized my sermon around those two things. I should have organized it like we're going to talk about, because the ultimate goal was being in God's presence. Yeah. And and relationship with him and intimacy with him. How do we have that? We have it through the book of the covenant and we have it through the blood of the covenant. I should have organized my sermon more uh I guess balanced that way, mm-hmm. but I in the end I felt better about it because we've been in the subject about the book of the covenant for the last couple few weeks. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm not I'm not I don't want to give that any more attention because we've been giving it all the attention. Um, but I, I don't know. I thought about that later on. You focus more on the blood blood, in the the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, really throughout the whole sermon, that was the emphasis. Um, but yeah, but you had two sections and your second section was not about the blood. It was about like the presence of God or the relationship with God. Well, my, that's what I was trying to do was show like, okay, this is the point of this text is that God wants to have a personal relationship with you, with his people. Mm Mm-hmm. The question then is, how do I have that? How do I get personal uh, intimacy with God? And I think he's answering it in this text. I only focused really on one of them, though. I focused on the blood of the covenant. It's mm-hmm. through the atoning sacrifice. But the other thing is the book of the covenant, too. Like, his word is what also not only tells us that God wants to have personal relationship, but we actually have fellowship with him through uh, believing and walking in his word. Um, so anyway, I, th- I think, which is a great gospel connection because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm. And so we have fellowship with God through his living and active word, uh, which Christ is the supreme word. Um, so anyway, I, I just, I think I messed up. And if I were to go back on Friday night, I probably would have organized it a little bit more balanced to show that. Mm. Like we have, we have access to the presence through God's word and through the blood um, and blah, blah, which I, again, I put in my title, but I didn't actually flush that out well in my sermon. But as Russ Walbaum said, we're always learning. Always. It's true. 
but it's not normally a a feeling that you want to feel going to bed at night of like, oh, geez, I could do that better. Whatever. We're just going to settle with this. Really, the true error is that you didn't make it a three-point sermon. Is that, I mean, <laughs> the book every good and the sermon. blood. Every good sermon has it to be a three-point sermon. It should have been the book, the blood, and the blaze. Because the fire at the end. <laughs> I did think about that. That's I thought, pretty good. I thought the book, the blood, and the beholding. Oh, <laughs> it's got to alliterate though. Oh, yeah, you could have said, can... "Yeah, God's word, the blood." If you like a different word, different right, words, right, it just wouldn't work as well. No, so, either but, way. And even in that structure, I don't like that because you're saying these are three equal things, but yeah, they're not because they're not. the beholding would have been the point. Yeah, mm-hmm. the other two are leading to the point, which is yeah. the book and the the blood. But anyway, because right, that was that was your main point. <coughs> If I remember correctly, God invites his people to have a personal and intimate relationship with him. Was that the main yeah. point? Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. Am I notes yeah. correct here? Yeah. 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 Which is not, hopefully for everyone in the room, is not new information. Yeah. So oh, that's no. where it's, it's like, like okay, every passage. How how some How is this passage? This is a question we should ask of every text. Okay. I understand the point, but how is this passage talking about that point? And this I, I was saying how it's talking about it in relation to these two things, the book of the covenant and the blood of the covenant. I do think though, the blood of the covenant was the emphasis above the book. Um, since, since verse eight kind of leads us there, behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Yeah. But, but I mean, all this blood splattering and cutting up of animals and draining them of blood and pouring some on the altar and stuff. That's, that's like foreign, strange, uh-huh. ancient stuff. Why? Yeah. Why should we even study this? Like, why? Why should? Why does it matter to us? Uh, I mean, well, it's in the Bible, <laughs> so <laughs> bingo. Why is it important for us to roasted, Rob? <laughs> I I don't. I guess because one way is it helps us better understand what Jesus did on the cross mm-hmm. when he poured out his blood for us. Like we, if we can't at least get our minds here then we can't understand Christ's sacrifice and his substitutionary death in our place. I also think that it shows as it, as I believe it was showing to them then that God was, this was a bandaid, these animal sacrifices. I mean, an animal cannot pay for the price of a human. This is a, this is not the ultimate solution but there's not a human that can make that atoning sacrifice. Um, and so anyway, I think it was showing both the solution, but also the need for a better solution because each year, this isn't sustainable. I mean, every year they had to do this every year. They had to make the day of atonement. They had Mm -hmm. to make this sacrifice on the mercy seat of the Ark of the covenant, which is what we're going to get into this next week um, in order to atone and propitiate for their sins and therefore appeased God's wrath against sin. Um, anyway, they, they recognize each year, man, this is not sustainable. And, and ultimately they cry out to God for a a better solution and a better solution ultimately was the point anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and you made this really good point that being forgiven is not the goal. Right. Right. Like being forgiven accomplishes very little except for, that it's the means to being close to God again. 
It yeah. is reconciliation. It is intimacy. It is the ability to behold a holy God. Like we, the, but just being forgiven uh, is not the main point of Christianity. It's not the main point of putting your faith in Jesus. Right. It's being close and one with God again uh, is the actual main point. We just need to be forgiven to be able to be with a holy God. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, my, the reason why I made that point, I, I think I made that point pretty strong because I do think that people, whether it's a book that they read on, you know, they've had trauma in their past or they had somebody wrong them or they, whatever, whatever. And they want to have these discussions about forgiveness. And it's like, if I can just get in this place in my heart, soul, mind where I can forgive that person or I can forgive myself for the things that I've done to others or that put me in this place, then I will have peace or something like that. Then I'll have some sort of um, harmony within my soul or something, you know, uh, a clear conscience, I guess. But it's like, but forgiveness will get you so far, but then it's like, but it still doesn't bring what you ultimately long for, which is a restored relationship. That's mm-hmm. what you're really looking for. And yeah. So anyway, it's a bigger discussion on yeah. that, but right. I, I, in this text, I think it was pretty clear that forgiveness was a means to what, where God ultimately wanted to bring them, which was in his presence yeah. where they could behold his glory. And I love the, they beheld God and ate and drank. It was like, this was a, this was a joyful moment. Obviously that was the ratification of the covenant through that eating and drinking and sharing a meal together. But, uh, they were enjoying one another's company, their their communion, their fellowship, their union with God in this moment, which I think is an interesting thing. They're just partying it up, dude. I know. I mean, what God's else are you like, going to do? Come over to my house. What are we going to do? What do you think we're going to do? We're going to party. We're eat and drink. Eat and drink. Yeah, that honestly, that was the fi- my favorite part of this text. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, behold, they ate and drank. Like, party? We talked about it in small group a little bit this week, but I thought that was... Rob likes to party. I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> My name is Rob. I like to party. No, I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, were there any like themes that came to your mind? Like I mentioned all those ones in Hebrews. Hebrews 9 is the biggest. Uh, yeah. Because leaving this text in Exodus 24, then you move forward and you're like, oh man, this is in Hebrews 9 where he looks directly at this passage and then basically interprets it for us through the lens of the gospel. Um, which is a, a great thing. If anyone's like confused about a story in the Old Testament, go to the book of Hebrews and see if he has something to say about it, um, which he'll have things to say about the temple and the priesthood and all of these things. So anyway, that was a very helpful text, but I, I personally appreciated his Hebrews or chapter 10, the uh, in light of the blood of Christ, because he has given us access he gives all these great applications. Let uh, it, it's what um, I've heard preachers call it the lettuce patch. <laughs> let us yeah. draw near. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let yeah. us hold fast. Let us stir one. Consider how to stir up one another uh, yep. to love and good works. It's this lettuce patch of applications of in light of what Christ has done, in the light of His blood forgiving us of our sins. Let us take mm-hmm. advantage of that and draw near. Um, hold fast, and then ultimately uh, stir one another up. I th- I don't know. I appreciated that. That was cool. That reminds me of a 
uh, I had a friend who was a part of a worship band at Biola University. I think it was Biola. But their worship band was called Lettuce Warship. Like <laughs> like a warship mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would fight on the seas. And lettuce? And lettuce, essentially let us worship, but it's lettuce worship. <laughs> what it a, what so a band funny, name. Dude. It random. But, but think about what the merchandise. What does lettuce have to do with worship, though? Think about the merchandising. You have a big head of lettuce and a warship on there. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, that, that's what I don't get. What is that merchandising? It has nothing to do with anything other than it sounds like the words let us worship. <laughs> it was just so funny. It always reminds me of that. But anyways. Random. Um, Actually, the, the going back to the meal and the uh, significance of it, I mean, I think we see throughout scripture, but I just was reminded as we're talking about it in that, that text from Revelation to the, the, the letter to the church at Laodicea, where he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Mm. And uh, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, <clears throat> I will come into him and eat with him mm. and he with me, which is a wonderful picture of fellowship and union and communion and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I, I just really like that also in verse 11. So this is the same, the same, uh, section where it talks about, they, they beheld God and they ate and drank, but it all says it, he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel, which I thought you kind of helped us understand a few things from this. So obviously they beheld God, but wait, if you see God, you die. Right. That's what we see in chapter 33. Right. So what the heck? What was going on here? They they didn't see God like in his entirety or in his fullness or in his Mm -hmm. total glory, obviously. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Or the other aspect of it is um, that he chose. And that's what this verse 11 seems to say. Like he could have laid his hand on, like, right. He could have in his holiness because of what was happening, struck them perhaps, but he decides to allow them to eat and drink in his presence. Yeah, that right? that was an interesting one. I, yeah, I uh, I didn't see that when we first read it mm-hmm. in our life groups or whatever this week. Um, I didn't see that, but it does kind of make sense, adding the fact that he could have laid a hand on them. Like saying he didn't lay a hand on them kind of insinuates. But I also have this, I don't know, maybe there's a... a I have this concept of God's holiness that it's almost out of his control. Right. How much he could tolerate a sinful person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't know, you know, there's something there that I don't know if I even have the concept right. Yeah. But it does feel like a holy God, like maybe he wouldn't, he wouldn't just go like, oh, not this time, but like his holiness would destroy all sin that came into his presence. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's puzzling. Like, but then it's again, they have puzzling. the that whole ceremony before they go up, you know? Yeah, they're maybe that Maybe that was the one thing that made it, and they didn't come, it's not like they were in heaven with him, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. It's a, But it is, it's, it is puzzling, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I read a commentary and they made the comment about verse 11 and he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel is basically a qualifier because people are going to be wondering how did this happen? How did they see? Oh, because Behold, he yeah. did not lay, he intentionally did not lay his hand on them. And so he was in control of that. You know, he wasn't out of control and just like, I'm sorry if you see me, it's going to decimate you, you know? Um, yeah. That's a pretty interesting idea though. 
But even that, that almost makes it more curious. Like, oh, why, I know. Why doesn't he let lots of people see him? Do that all sure. the time. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well and, I, and I think that the ceremony is the explanation of that. The ceremony yeah. and the yeah. sacrifice. How did this happen? It it wasn't that just God said. Well, and that's a great point, right? Because people ask the question. Well, how come God doesn't just like forgive everybody? Well, like he can, um, but there has to be, he, he's also just, right? So he has to create a process by which you can gain access into him. There has yeah. to be atonement um, and propitiation and all of these other things. And so that's where Paul gets into later on, like he's in Christ and through his atoning work, now God is both just and the justifier mm. of all those who come to him by faith. Um, so you need this sacrifice, you need this ceremony, and that then is the uh, opportunity now for these people to come be into the presence of God and behold him. And there is the same way that we come before God as New Testament believers is we come through the blood of the covenant and the book of the covenant. We come through the word it's a new and better word now, and it's a new and better sacrifice, and it's through Christ, which means we have an even greater access into his presence, by which Paul would say, we cry out, Abba, Father. And uh, anyway, it's a, I think it's, it's that same pattern that we're seeing just amplified as we move into the New Testament. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's insignificant that their description indicates that they're not seeing the fullness of God because they're like his feet. That's all they describe is like his, not even, not even his feet, just what he's standing on. Like that's mm -hmm. the description that they give. They saw the God of Israel. Okay. That's what we see in verse 10, the beginning of it. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone. And they describe like the very heaven for clearness. So if you're, if someone, you know, your wife is like, oh, did you see so-and-so or what do they look like? You're not, you're not like, oh, they were standing on like the concrete. Like what? <laughs> That's yeah. not a description of the person. <laughs> so obviously what they're saying is like, we didn't really see the fullness of God, but we did see this element of what's happening underneath him. And uh, he was there and it was so radiant that, that, that essentially there's, <coughs> there's this jewel like glass sort of under him, you know, mm -hmm. um, which I was surprised you didn't, you didn't make any Harry Potter reference. Like you were. Yeah. What would, what would be the Harry Potter? Yeah, I'm lost now. Why? Because okay, so oh, in I one of the Harry Potter about. books, there is there's a certain creature that ca that causes someone to die instantly if you see them. Oh, yeah, called the basilisk. The basilisk, like this yeah, 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 yeah. But if you see the creature through oh, something, oh yeah, yeah. So like, if you, you see, see its him, reflection, its reflection in the mirror or through uh, water, then you won't die. Then you won't. You'll just you'll just get frozen. petrified. Yeah, you get frozen for a while, which is just it's like. This is in, you know, mythology all over the place. This isn't unique to the Harry Potter story. That's true. Medusa. Uh, it, yeah, Medusa. Medusa. Yeah, that's true. It's ancient Greek. Like, it's it's in a ton of different mythology. Um, but it's kind of interesting. Obviously, that's, I don't think that's what's happening here necessarily. But it could be the case that they're sort of shielded a little bit from the full depiction of who God is. By seeing his reflection in the ground. Something like that. Essentially, yeah. oh. you can... If you were able to find a material that was as if sapphire, mm -hmm. that was of the very heaven for clearness, <laughs> if you could find that material, you could make like a solar eclipse viewfinder yeah, just to exactly. look at God through. Right, right, right. And mm. be shielded I from mean, his holiness <laughs> destroying you. Which is all sort of 
just kind of funny Specu- stuff to it's think specula- about. Yeah, speculation. <laughs> speculation. But it's but, fun. Yeah, it's fun. And also he says like, at, in the in the ESV, it renders it, there was under his feet as it were, which I don't know the Hebrew, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? I'm just curious. Like, it seems like this is a, this is the best of our, to the best of our understanding, this yeah. is the best way we can describe what we're seeing here, which is For like sure. this veiled glory of God. But <clears throat> right after that, and they sat, they sat down and they ate and drank, hung out. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing text. Yeah. What did they eat? That's the other thing. It's not there. They just, they didn't bring food. So God. I mean, they must have. Well, oh, they I'm, I'm, I'm assuming or, they brought some of the sacrificed animals and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. yeah. A little barbecue, I mean, we'll dude. Find out, out. They we'll find out later up. that that's like the main food of the priesthood. Of the priest. Yeah. They yeah. eat. They eat the sacrifices, the bread, the showbread, and the and the animals. Um, I do. I mean, a lot of this though, like when we really start analyzing it, it does just lead us to more and more questions. Like you quoted, uh, uh, what was it? Levi, Leviticus, Leviticus seventeen, Leviticus seventeen eleven. Right, and he's like the blood makes atonement by the life. Uh huh. In uh-huh. the in the blood, presumably, yeah. like it is life, and so that makes the atonement for life. Mm. But even that, you go like, okay, but why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like why? Why does blood make atonement for sin? For sure. Like, couldn't? Yeah. Is there yeah. is there something about God's character that makes this the only possible way? To atone for sin, did God make this up? Okay, I'll just like, I'll make a system and we'll use animal blood. You know what I mean? Like it all leads back to, okay, but why is this? But why? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think there's some speculation in that, but it's like you could live without an arm. You know, you can live without a hand. You can live without a lot of things. You can't live without blood and all of your blood. And obviously that's what's what, required is the entirety of the blood be removed. Right. What we know about blood obviously is it carries sustenance to every part of the body. So yeah. I think there's, you know, maybe some obvious, like we're maybe we're maybe by thinking about it too hard, we're overthinking it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like it's pretty obvious. Like if you drain something of its blood, then it dies. It's and life is removed and yeah, symbolized removed. by mm-hmm. the blood. In that blood. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's demonstrated through their sacrifices, right? Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's and that. You also make mention of this in your sermon that it that it connects to the first sacrifice God made hmm. to clothe Adam and Eve. Um, they disobeyed God, right? Mm-hmm. In their disordered eating by disobeying God, and then and then they're ashamed, of course, and so God has to sacrifice animals to cover them and provide a temporary, mm-hmm. you know, atonement for them. Uh, and likewise, he continues on in that same, in that same vein. Yeah. Um, so I think it's from the beginning of time, and of course that comes from the fact that he told them, "The day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die." Like death will result from sin, immediate spiritual death and brokenness, eventual physical death, and even the death of people, these animals around you. They're going to yeah. be sacrificed now so that you can survive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this. One of the sad, more tragic things about this text, though, is verse 14. Uh, and he said to the elders, this is Moses now being called up. 
and Joshua, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. And it's it's like this subtle little note. Hold on to this. Hold on to this note because we're going to get to chapter 32. <laughs> and these guys totally cave. And yet just a few weeks earlier, like they were beholding God on the mountain. Nadab, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, 70 of the elders like what more weight or testimony do you need to say this golden cat where is Moses who cares we saw god we saw him <laughs> and he delivered us not this golden calf and blah 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 i mean we're going to get to that section and <laughs> i just oh maybe i shouldn't even say it but i went to uh, i'm going to say it anyway cuz i'm whatever I went to a Hinson. Because I'm whatever. Get, get, that, I, get I, that bleep ready. Get I went to a Hinson ready, a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> and you said? Because Jerry Schoon was in yeah. the hospital, mm -hmm. and Jerry and Ruthie used to go there. And so I went. They have a prayer meeting on Sunday evening. So I went to their, I just crashed their prayer meeting. And because I'm like, hey, we'll pray for Jerry. And I know they'd pray for us here at Canby Christian, but they do a devotion. And the guy was preaching on... Exodus 32. And, but he had the subject given to him. You're going to look at this and you're going to look at it from the angle of orgies, drunk, drunken orgies. Okay. What in the world? Okay. Because that's what they were doing, right? They, they built a golden calf and then they just yes. like yeah, yeah, yeah. promiscuously partied with each other. I mean, yeah. they basically wanted to do whatever they wanted to do and it was just perverted and all of these things. But, Anyway, there's this pressure laid on Aaron to like provide for them a deity by which they can worship and then do whatever they wanted to do. And he caved under it. And it just blows my mind how you can see God and all these things and then like totally cave. But it reminded me of Peter. Mm -hmm. Peter saw Jesus, not only in all of his miracles, but the transfigured Christ mm -hmm. on, on the mount which was basically a biblical connection between this scene here and obviously the transfiguration. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, weeks, months later, he's denying that he ever even knew him because he's caving under the pressures. And yeah. I don't know, it's just an interesting thing to like assessment to think about in your right. own like, man, I've seen God work. I've put faith in his truth. And yet, Am I still a people pleaser? Yeah. Will right. I cr will I crumble under the pressures? Exactly. That's what I was going to say when you said, oh, it reminds me of Peter. I'm like, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of freaking me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like how many times has God like yeah. provided? How many times right. has God come through? And then like in the next, you know, 40 days, <laughs> yeah. something happens where I'm like, what the heck, God? Yeah. How come this is happening now? What, you, you, did you forget about me? Like, yeah. we do that all the time. We, yeah, we make gods, little g gods mm -hmm. out of so many things in mm -hmm. our lives. You know, we let stuff creep into more important positions than they should be. Like that is, yeah, it's, we look at these all the time and it's almost cliche to even bring it up because we we point this out with the nation of Israel, but yeah, we, we almost mock them sometimes. And then right. we go, actually, I'm very much like that. Right. <laughs> well, and you know, the interesting thing about both Aaron and Peter is they're called to this great calling and it may have gotten to their heads a little bit. And so then they get humbled massively. 
Yeah. By their failing, by their own personal failing. And yet Aaron is like the ironic priesthood. I mean, this is like he becomes the like leader of the of the priesthood of Israel. Mm-hmm. Peter himself is restored by Jesus by the in that great scene, you know, breakfast by the sea after his uh, resurrection and before his ascension. And, you know, he does that three repetition thing. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Um, Yeah. And it's like he his calling on his life didn't change. But now he's got a new perspective of uh, I thought I was a big deal. I thought I was strong and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I need you, you know, and I think that that is God can still redeem that, yeah. you know, and uh, restore. I mean, that's Peter's uh, story as he restored him to ministry and to walking with him in fellowship and those kinds of things. But I, sure. I think sometimes Jesus, the Lord allows us to fail so that we will rely more on him and have a better assessment of ourselves, you know, and he probably did that for Aaron yeah. and the others here. Yeah, for that's sure. biblical. That's biblical. It's in the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you say in light of this first act or the future, the one we've been discussing, that future first act of Aaron, would you say the ironic priesthood is kind of an ironic priesthood? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> oh, he tried to do his drum roll and it didn't work. It was work. a bad joke. <laughs> that was a bad... It, I don't get it. The ironic or ironic? The ironic? ironic. Yeah, oh, I got it. it. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I totally no. failed on the rim shot, dude. <laughs> another, um, another aspect of this text it. you didn't get into, because uh, it didn't have to do with the main point, of course, but it's an interesting part of this, is that you see this stratification of the people. Mm. You have the people who are there. Like the congregation. The congregation, all of the people of Israel, and they're, they're of course- They're at the foot of the mountain. in the, uh, yeah. They're not able to in, come up. Yeah, they're not. But then the elders, mm-hmm. they are able to come up some of the way, yeah, half yeah, of yeah. the way, 70 and the Aaronic, it's- Nadab and Abihu and Aaron. Me. And then you have it's Moses Derek. and even Joshua. Yeah, Joshua and Moses go up. They go up and they go up right into the flame, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Into the devouring fire of God, or at least Moses does. Uh, Joshua, I guess, is a little bit unclear, but he goes, it seems, past the elder. But at any rate. Oh, yeah, he goes up with Moses. Yeah, it says he goes. This is amazing. Moses went up to the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. Yeah, this is, so Moses and Joshua go up there and then we see this final scene. But, but I don't know, that that's an interesting thing that's happening here. And it's important because sort of the opposite happens when Christ comes. This is what Cody, I think you were mentioning this on Thursday night, how, and this is what Hebrews talks a bit about, right? There's all, and we see this in the tabernacle we'll see soon, how there's an outer court, there's Mm. an inner court Mm -hmm. and there's the Holy of Holies. There's Mm -hmm. like multiple layers of, of relationship with God. Not that they're unforgiven or they're not, they don't have a relationship with God at all, but there's, I don't know, like that whole part of the story was that in your mind at all? Were you thinking about any of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that in in the time frame that I had, I I didn't want to make that explicit, but yeah, that going back to the main point, God wants to have a personal and intimate relationship with you mm-hmm. um, and with all who obey his voice and are cleansed by his blood is there's layers to growing closer, right? Because the Ark of the Covenant which is within the tabernacle is the actual, like where God decides to 
yeah like i don't know condense his presence to the omnipresent god is present in this place like in no other place in the same mm. way he is present in christ as he right. is yeah for that time and and yet omnipresent at the same time like that's obviously a mystery but yeah i, I don't know if how deep i wanted to go into that so i just kind of left it <laughs> yeah yeah, and it's that's a choice you made. It is well, you'll get into it, no doubt, when you're talking about the tabernacle. For sure. Like it's one right. of the most important elements of how the worship functions. Right. But right, then of right. course we see Christ in the in Matthew's gospel it describes that the, the curtain, yeah, which we'll get that to separation. later. Separation. That separates the actual mercy seat, what you're describing, the the Ark of the Covenant, was torn. And now we have direct access to God. So Whereas here we see the people, they're unable to go to the mountaintop. Moses is because he's the mediator. Now, after Christ, Christ, who is our mediator, brings us to the mountaintop, or rather he descended to the foot of the mountain, became right. a baby, lived a perfect life, and brings us to the mountaintop into the actual mm. fiery presence of God. So mm. it's it's just, it's amazing to see all these echoes that happen and stuff like that. So I thought that was a cool aspect yeah, of the point. text. But of course, you didn't have time to get into it because- right. Yeah, you didn't need to really. I thought yeah. the goal of my sermon is to keep it about Jesus and keep it about thirty-five minutes. <laughs> keep it about Jesus. And about yeah, that's I, my thirty-five goal. minutes. I just love seventeen. Love the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. He just walked into this flaming pillar mm -hmm. of God's glory, like some. Well, and if you're, if they're, I mean, there's a lot of newer people who weren't here at the beginning of Exodus, but in the burning bush story, which I already talked about the fact that God appeared or revealed himself as a fire. Yeah. Um, and in that he was a devouring fire. He was mm -hmm. completely consuming this bush. And yet at the same time, the bush was not consumed. Yeah. And so that's where Moses was like, what is happening over there? That bush is completely on fire. And yet it's not burning out. And then we we um, talked about the symbolism of that. Like, mm -hmm. what is that teach? What is this picture teaching us about God? And one of it is obviously that he is all consuming. But then secondly, he purifies, which is what fire does. But then thirdly, he is not dependent upon the thing that he is consuming, right? So like in the bush, normally with fire, it's, drawing energy from that thing that it's uh yeah. that is on fire a log or a tree or whatever but in this case he's self-sustaining and so anyway it went off on all of that stuff but i just figured i don't want to get all into that because i already got into it no yeah unnecessary time. but a beautiful verse nonetheless totally well i mean it comes up in hebrews yeah later on right our uh, god is a consuming fire mm -hmm. is the word that he uses there but it's the same thing devouring fire it's yeah. a good it's a descriptor of god Yep. Which is both a symbol of judgment. It's a symbol of purification for, you know, his people. Um, a, sim a symbol of light. Anyway, there's a lot of things mm -hmm. that you can pull out of that. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you wanted to add? Was, this know. is a Tell quick us. one, but you we needed a quick one. I know. Yeah. We're almost Aaron's, out of time. Aaron's a very important person with no, lots really. of things <laughs> to do. Uh, uh, so maybe it'll just be a quick one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. The other thing, yeah, we already talked about Aaron and all of that. I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. have anything 
a ton of other things. So yeah, crazy. Sounds good. All right, should we, we just, were efficient today. Do we just keep going then? Do you want yeah, me to hit what do we this? Got? I'll hit this button. <laughs> see what happens when I hit it. If anything comes out. Ooh, nice. Volunteer of the week. Volunteer <laughs> of the week. This week is Nate Fano. Oh man, stepped it up. Appreciate him very much. Wah, 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 wah. Oh yeah. Wait, hang on. <laughs> Volunteer of the week is Nate Fano. <laughs> That was a fanfare. Oh my goodness. Pretty good. All right. Okay. (laughs) He stepped it up and helped lead our sound on Sunday morning because Gordon uh, had to take off. Yeah, he was doing a a memorial service uh, later in the afternoon. So, and uh, Nate's done some of that Mm -hmm. before, but is really not trained mm-hmm. <laughs> in any way besides us sticking him back there and saying like, you can figure it out, right? Push that button. <laughs> so yeah, it was awesome. Uh, we really appreciate him, you yeah. know, it, and he's got that personality to like not be overly stressed out <laughs> by all the buttons and not knowing, you know, exactly what all of them do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's probably uniquely uh gifted personality wise to go sure let's let's try it out and not yeah. freak out you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so, true very much appreciate him so if you get the chance uh tell Nate you appreciate him thank him for being around thank him for uh the way he's leading his family and uh just the the precious people that they are mm-hmm. uh, and the the relationship we have with them as part of our church body, say thank you to him. Congratulate him for being the volunteer of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a special next segment. Mm. It's time for Bible trivia right now. Because here is the uniqueness of today is none of us know. Nope. The Bible trivia. It none is given us to us. You're saying by, somebody submitted this? No. Yes. Melody. Melody, no, Melody, Melody, Melody prepared it for us. It's, we have the answer, but not, or we have the question, but the answer is covered on the card. Okay. So all three of us <laughs> could potentially be stumped yeah, by I, this. I think we will be. Bible trivia. You think we will be? Well, he's already been reading yeah. it. I've read the question. Okay. He read, he read the question and he put the tape over the answer and claims oh he gosh. didn't read it. You'll claims see, because I, I don't know what, I don't know. He claims he didn't okay. read the answer. Okay, what is the question? Here is the question. <clears throat> <laughs> After the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, so taking it back a few chapters, Moses and the people sang a song. In this song. The Song of Moses. Found in Exodus 15. Yes, called the Song of Moses. How did God pile up the waters? How did he pile up the waters? How did he pile up the water? Uh, I mean, on the east into the west, like so in like the poetic. You're saying directions? Oh, you mean like in the poetic lyrics? In the poetic lyrics of this song, what is the mechanism by which the waters were piled up? Sure, if you want to get all fancy. I mean, is that essentially like so? They're singing, oh, God piled up the waters by yes. kicking all the rocks <laughs> or whatever. Like they say a specific I thought it was way. like he blew his wind or something like that. He blew that. his okay. wind is one answer. Okay. I think he, pi- he piled up the waters. He piled up the waters by, the, <laughs> I don't know. That's tough. By the the train of his robe, <laughs> that's uh, something oh, yeah, weird, yeah, some yeah, weird yeah, yeah. biblical imagery. Okay, 
Um, I actually think it has to do with the river. Like he, he, something, isn't there something in there about like he slowed up or the, or maybe I'm thinking of Joshua when he crossed the the Jordan. Uh-huh. Maybe that's what I'm getting in my mind. But I don't know. I think it has something to do with the river or the body of water. Like I think, what was your answer, Aaron? I think like, he like Aaron blew, blew wind. his wind. Yeah, yeah he like piled that. up Aaron, the waters by a mighty wind. He's or, saying God passed gas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably. Okay, I mean, gonna, it's I'm literally tape. Let's it's go. It's literally okay. mighty winds. Oh, right? This might, I don't he, hope this is a rip. How like, did he? How did he pile up the water? A mighty. Well, we could also look it up. We could look it up. Yeah, which we may need to. It's Go clear ahead. that Melody really uh, struggled piled up with some time water. into this. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. It says, quote, blast of his nostrils. Oh, oh. the blast of his nostrils. That's actually pretty cool. Oh, but Dang. You, were, you were close, Aaron. Dude, I the mean, blast that's... of his nostrils is actually really, like, potent. Well, yeah. it, it kind of imagery. The, the imagery is like a bull, right? Yeah, dude. So, I mean, dude, we use that. We use that, like, emoji when you're mad. You yeah, send the, like, yeah. blast of nostril emoji, you know? Yeah, that's verse, actually pretty cool. Verse eight: At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up; the floods stood up in a heap. The blast yeah. of his. So, I was definitely wrong. I, I think in the yeah. when he crossed the Jordan, it says something like about the river, but then I realized I was way off. Good Mel- job, Melody. Melody she stumped us. Good. Stumped. <laughs> nice. <laughs> she stumped us. Uh, man, I guess is that it? That's, that's it. it. The that's blast it. of our nostrils is. <laughs> At the blast of our nostrils. That's our only response to this (laughs) trivia. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.